Hello. And welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And joining us today, we have two very special guests, Ms. Mallory Mullins. Hey, hey, hey. And Mr. Tristan Williams. Hello. And today we are discussing Hereditary, released in 2018, written and directed by Ari Aster. You all know what it is, uh, but I thought that I would ask Jake to summarize the plot in under a minute. So... I'm just going to get my uh, stopwatch up. And Jake, you can start whenever you're ready. He already did it. All right. So uh, we begin in uh, with a, an old lady dying and her child, Tony Collette, um, didn't really like her very much. And she lived in their house and she was mysterious. But anyways, um, then afterwards, Tony's, uh, oh, spoiler alert. Uh, Tony has two kids. One of them is um, Alex Wolf, and the other one is Matilda. And Millie they, Shapiro. Millie Shapiro, yes, one of the original Matildas. And then one time she's allergic to nuts, and then her brother's high driving, and the girl's accidentally decapitated. Then Tony's really upset, and then she tries to summon her eventually with the help of Anne Dowd through seance. And then eventually she realizes that her grandma had cast a mysterious satanic spell on the entire family, and they're all doomed. Um, from the get-go and there's no hope and they all die <laughs> except was, for alex wolf who becomes the, the devil <laughs> that was 50 I, think you, I think when you did the click you summed it up just in the click though like before yes. you did the summary and you went i was like boom Whoa. plot yeah there's a lot and the trailer i don't know if you um so a little bit of background sam and i were really um that we saw this in theaters together um when it first came out I had and, just done coke for the first time in my life. <laughs> it was like time to was, watch Hereditary. And it was my <laughs> first horror movie in years completely sober. And cause I was leaving work and we had to accidentally sit, I was running late. So we had to sit in the second row of the theater uh, with Brandon and it was a traumatic experience. We also had heard from like the, I guess it was maybe at Sundance or one of the film festivals when it came out. And like all the reviewers were like refusing to talk about it, very upset. <laughs> Some of them left in the middle, like and no one would say why. For and real? So, yes, when it first came oh out, because it was so deeply disturbing. So Sam and I obviously got tickets and saw it <laughs> almost three years ago. And it's still, um, to this day, I was very, very um, nervous to rewatch. I don't know if you guys no. thought it was scary. Yeah. Uh, but... So I... wait, uh, Tristan, you've seen yes. Hereditary before, right? What was it like yes. for you to revisit it? Uh, so this this movie was like, this hurt, I think. the first, <laughs> So like the first time, I have to give a little bit of background here. The reason I really wanted to talk about this was so before I saw Hereditary in theaters, because I also did that, uh, I had been in an improv class and we were like starting scenes where they're like, just give us a very controversial opinion and then we'll start from there. And my controversial opinion was they can't make good horror movies anymore. We're all too desensitized. None of these are <laughs> scary. Like old classic disturbing horror movies don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And I had said that and I was fine with it. And then I went and I saw Hereditary in theaters. And I just, I remember being in a nightmare spiral, trying to sleep at night. <laughs> like I kept waking up and be like, oh, I'm awake now, it's fine. It's like, no, this is another nightmare. And just like Tony. Like, yeah. So, she has a nightmare spiral in the movie that oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. I had not seen this movie since I initially saw it in theaters. Was that Because the why case would we? For, why would you? Was that the case yeah. for you, Tristan? Yeah. Yeah, I had a laugh. <laughs> I, after watching it, Jake and I looked at each other and I said, this was a very good movie, but I never want to watch it again. <laughs> and then when we started the podcast, Jake said, you realize this means you have to watch Hereditary again. And, and I, I said, do too. Mm -hmm. And then you were like, <sighs> just kidding. We don't need a podcast. 
Yeah. Yeah, we, so, we, we scrapped the whole thing. Uh, Mallory, <laughs> yep. you watched this movie for the first time for the podcast last night. Do you want to talk about your experience with that? So I'd actually, I saw Midsummer in theaters like when it came out. And I remember being like, this is insane. Also, I saw it at like 1 a.m., and it was weirdly refreshing because it was the only horror movie where I left the theater feeling safer at night. Like I was like, oh good, I'm in the night. The Swedish people can't get me now. But <laughs> but I, I like I was texting Jake before this and I was like, I haven't seen Hereditary. I saved it and I was like, I'm gonna watch it during the day. It's gonna be fine. And then I didn't get around to watching it until last night. And I I just I love horror movies. Like I kind of yeah. agree with like there's not a good horror like it's not like like jump scares are overrated and if that's yeah. like something that's used too much in a horror movie it's not going to be good but like but now we have like Ari Aster and Jordan Peele kind of like changing that but this movie is like the first time that I've been like legitimately about to shit myself for like most <laughs> of the movie since I was like 12 because I do love spooky yeah. movies but this was like yeah. I I, I don't know. I texted Jake 12 minutes in and was like, I can't. 12 minutes? Oh my God. Uh, well, I... wait, so let me guess when you all text, all, all caps texted me was when uh, I'm sure it happened. The first one was when the, no, the first time I texted you all caps was just when she thought she saw her mom in the attic. That, oh my God. Oh, yeah. that made me almost <laughs> put myself. And then I was like, am I, on. am I drunk? And I wasn't, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Just know but yeah whole, the whole like, movie yeah. it's like it's weird that this felt almost as trippy as Midsummer because having seen Midsummer first I thought that that would be its own level but that's I feel like that's kind of his style is that it's like almost taking the audience on like it's just like sustained dread for like two yeah. and a half hours and it's like yeah. I am honestly not a huge fan of long movies but I think this movie had to be as long it's not like that long but it's two hours it had to be that long to really like suck you in and there's such a defined like three act kind of structure to it in a way where where it's like the first act is like very well the first act pretty much ends the second that she gets decapitated right it's a very spooky first act as well but it's just like it doesn't really you don't really know where it's going until that happens and you're like fuck because and use. it gives you and it gives you such a sense of false security because the right. because there yeah. it does what I kind of like about this movie is that it's not above jump scare type things. It's not above mm. like having suddenly a creepy thing Shock. in the corner. It's not yeah. just it, it's not just like a high intelligence, like for smart people horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's like because <laughs> yeah. I feel like if the fact that so many people describe this movie as like, it's not just a horror movie about a satanic cult. It's a horror movie about loss and grief and yeah. the, and like our families. It kind of makes it sound like it's not actually scary, but it is one mm-hmm, of the scariest things I've ever seen. And I think that that's part of, I do, I, I agree with you, Tristan and Mallory yeah. about how horror kind of reached its peak of what it had been trying to do, I think since around Hitchcock times. Because Mallory, you came on for the movie where we learned all about Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> and how much he hated women. I was thinking about how interesting it is that Hitchcock is praised for his restraint nowadays when what he was doing back then was seen as like gaudy and too graphic 
and sure. too like salacious. Right. I feel like we kind of reached the peak of graphicness and salaciousness with like hostile uh, and things uh. that went really into gross out horror. The human centipede. Like, yeah, like like oh. you were saying, Tristan, you can't <laughs> really be dream. grossed out anymore. Right. Uh, and all that's yeah. left to do is may is make you feel dread about your relationship with your mom. I think it's so <laughs> it's so fitting too because I was texting Sam last okay so Sam and I never like watched the films together because we talk about them but we had seen this together already so it's a little bit different. So the whole time to support each other we were texting each other. Um, and I feel like I needed that support system, but it's like, I kept, I realized like two thirds of the way in, I'm like, this movie truly plays on all of my worst fears as a human being. Like it's got family issues. It's got like murder death in the family. It's got, you know, haunted houses. It's got like every single thing, even things in the corner you could be scared of. And you've generationally learned to be scared of through society. It's all there. And so it made you, it makes you so anxious, like the whole time. Yeah. And it's really, yeah. even on rewatching it, I was like, it's just as scary, if not more scary, because you're seeing these details you didn't see the first time. That, you know, the whole thing is like from the beginning, inevitable. The thematic, the thematic English class in the beginning mm-hmm. that Alex yeah. Duff is in, <laughs> and that girl is like, well, if they don't have any control over their yeah. destinies, and that just makes it even more hopeless because they're all just part of this cringe scheme. <laughs> and they're I was all like, just oh, little miniature figures uh, in a Tony Collette so miniature. Cool. And oh my god, yep. the opening, the opening sequence is so mm-hmm. much better now that I know what like the concept of the story is that they don't have any yeah. control and that they can't stop themselves from being sacrificed to Satan because it's literally them inside a miniature house that's been invented. Like they're all just dolls yeah. to the Satan cult. Get ready, Mallory. Oh, You're about to be like, oh shit, like yeah. <laughs> for the next hour. It's like, <laughs> so I guess we want to talk about plot first so because we've talked about the themes a little bit, but mm-hmm. we, we'll get back to it. I feel like there's so much plot as well to get through so um right before we started recording when i was like we'll talk about plot for the first half and then the things for the (laughs) second half we're 10 (laughs) minutes in i'm like let's talk about determinism it's almost (laughs) like we have no control (laughs) over what direction this goes i don't have any control over my life so none of us do what were your thoughts mallory with the uh as a new viewer um leading up to it on on Charlie, the daughter, because in, she was used heavily in the marketing campaign for this movie. Oh, yeah. In, like a, in a Hitchcockian way where you think she's going to be the the main creepy thing, maybe, because mm-hmm. we're so conditioned to think little girls are all creepy. I also, mean, she is creepy, but she's only in it for 30 minutes. Can I just say, mm-hmm. one of my favorite devices, when trailers make a movie look like it has one star and then that star gets killed off at like the 20-minute uh-huh. mark, Yes. Yeah. yeah, incredible. I think well, the, used exactly uh, as often as it should be used because I'm somehow opening, not desensitized to it yet. Exactly. The opening of the trailer, I remember so vividly because it's that shot of the, the coffin lowering into the ground and it's Charlie's coffin yes. in the trailer, but you think it's the grandma right. because they start immediately talking about the grandma mm-hmm. in the trailer. And like so you, showing her eulogy and like... So you, the trailer makes you think that the grandma that it's about is the possessing Charlie the whole time. Instead then Charlie's death happens and you're just like thrown. And then right. even the fact that the director, we'll get back to this probably, but the fact that Ari Aster was like, did not envision this as a horror movie when he wrote the first script, he thought it Love was a family that. drama. I mean, he changed it and edited it to like be that, horror. Though. Like for sure. Mm-hmm. Midsummer was supposed to be like... his first horror film. And then he ended up 
create making this one actually um, horror. They felt so similar though, in terms of like how, like yeah, jump scares and blood are like scary in like horror film context, but like losing a child, losing a parent, oh, like yeah, like the I feel like what did, I like wrote something down. I was like. I feel like really, really deep trauma was like the driving factor in both of his movies. Like, yeah. I, I feel like both of them had these hallmark scenes of like, like for Toni Collette, it was when she was like grieving Charlie and like screaming and saying it hurts too much. And then Florence Pugh was like grieving for her family too. And I just like, it, it felt like he kind of has that benchmark. So now I kind of expect yeah. every movie that he makes to have Ugh. like a big family drama grief aspect, which is, kind of the scariest part it's so disturbing yeah the first 10 minutes of midsummer spoiler alert is literally the most disturbing disturbing thing oh it's like it's Tristan? yes i have okay. i saw that as well yeah, it's so like the charlie thing times times 10 but it's i i mean it's like i don't think it was times 10 not times 10 but it's yeah. like it threw you off because you were expecting that but you weren't expecting it right away i feel mm -hmm. like because you yeah. thought it would yeah. be in sweden and then they're just like <laughs> right. nope it's the beginning. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's like these but, both have um, two very misleading things that just lead to like horrible wails from the lead actress, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That Tony uh, Whale is un-fucking, uh, I cannot I, I handle really, it. I really thought that I would be like more able to handle this movie the second time. And I was not. Like, yeah. I, during it the second time, I was like, I have not been this scared of a <laughs> fictional piece of media since yeah. I was 12 years old, maybe. Exactly. Once the perpetual, uh, the, that goes back to what we we're saying about the, how the whole thing feels so like full of dread. That's kind of like a meta thing too, because when you rewatch it, you're dreading what you're going to see the first time <laughs> that made you mm -hmm. dread the movie. So it's even, it, it just gets worse and worse. But yeah, Mallory, about the, the at car accident what did you what were your first impressions <laughs> so it well for one i like almost threw up it was a it was one of the several times that i like texted jake in all caps and was like <laughs> but it's i i it didn't shock me as much as i expected it to and i feel like it's because i was like on Instagram years ago looking at like a behind the scenes thing and I saw a model of like her head of what was like used as her head okay and so in the back of my head I think there was something that had clicked about like at some point that clearly she did at some point but it's it gave it was weird like I had a lot more dread after her obviously after her death but like it felt like her death was like getting stabbed in the heart and the rest of the movie is just like twisting the knife in mm. and out and it never really comes out because at the very end, it just like punches right through you. But and I just, just like- fact, Did you know what had happened until they showed the head? Because I remember not really knowing. And then that haunting like, image of him in the driver's seat, like not like realizing what happened, but still deciding to drive home and like- Yeah, that was like- I Just don't, so that made me mortifying. Kind of, like, that was I. I was like, "What would I do in that situation?" Apparently, it's based like, on a true oh, thing. Here's what's no, up: is no, I know no, exactly no. what I would do in that situation. I would I Wait, I would I back up, stick my own head out the window, and fucking floor it. Like, <laughs> there's my roommate yeah. brought this up to me last night. Right. She was like, "If this ever happened, there's no situation in which I'm not killing myself immediately." Yeah, how after. do you you how do you recover from that? Well, and that's you the thing literally is, can't. The shot of him standing outside his parents' bedroom while uh, she screams. I, Alex Wolf is such a good actor. 
I wonder if his character like knew that as much as his like relationship with Tony Collette's character was like fraught, I still think that he had to survive because like the plot of the movie. And also like, even as a teen, I think you have enough of a sense to know that that would completely destroy your parents. Losing one kid's already going to destroy you. But I feel like that's fair. he's a smart enough character that he kind of was like, as traumatic as it is, he's like, I'm tired and I want to go home. And I think there was something in the back of his head that was like, I need to stay alive for them just for like now. It can't be like boom, boom at the same time. Well, what I appreciated about that. Well, first of all, you have that whole 10 minutes. I texted Sam. I was remember when they're at the high school party, which Tony forced Charlie Mm -hmm. to go to for some reason. Um, She eats nuts and she's allergic to nuts that whatever. From that moment, I was texting Sam, I was like, okay, if we can get through the next 10 minutes, we can get through the rest of the movie. I had actually blogged out a lot of the rest of the movie. I was so so. fucking wrong. (laughs) The rest of the movie is so scary. But like then after that, I appreciate how they kind of let us off the hook a little bit with the horror. Like they let you sit with the family for like 10 minutes and just like grieve and just like, like it's not like a meat because that was a good choice because you need to... Like cathart ever so slightly. Like, cathart. Right. <laughs> you need to just cathart all over the place. But how she hard. can't even like stay in the house when he's there afterwards and she like yeah. is and sitting in the car waiting for him to get home so she can like drive away. I was oh. oh my god. I know that you guys have a whole podcast about Tony Collette, but damn is she a good actor. <laughs> yeah. This is such a good moment this, for her. Just this whole movie. Like yeah. It's such a good career peak for her at this point because she's been working a lot where we've been, the last few films we've done like have been all over the place, types of genres, whatever. But this is the most acting I've seen from her in like a good amount of time, I think, as far as like material. I feel like there's, there's that, just switching topics really quickly. The email that Tony Collette gets from her boss saying, like, show us what work you have to show us. And then the last line is like, I promise we won't judge. And then a winky face. <laughs> I feel like if if this movie had been written in the 90s and that had to have been a phone call, I feel like, Mallory, you would have been the perfect person to play that role. Oh, I don't Just know calling her up and being like, like, hey, blessed. girl boss. <laughs> Hey, lady, I love you. How's it going? Hey, girl um, boss. Um, your dead mom and your dead daughter. I know everyone in your family <laughs> like, is dead, but so, hope, you know, no press. So sorry no to hear about your mom and your daughter. And probably the rest <laughs> of your family, because I know how you are. But, you know, <laughs> we had a deal. <laughs> I know who you are. Um, So let's think about... I'm, so, I'm sorry, I just feel like I'm like moderating this because I just, I feel like I have so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, I just, I want to think about, I wanted to rewind and watch like that scene where she talks about her own family history at the mm-hmm. support group. Oh, when she goes to because group therapy and she's like, and she's up. like, here's my brother, yeah. here's my dad, here's my mom. In my notes and, I wrote, she won the grief circle because that yeah. felt like kind yes. of a like mic drop moment of like, yeah. Right. When we when, learn later that her grandma was trying to, sorry, what were you saying, Sam? When when the support group leader is like, is there anybody new who would like to speak? And Tony's like, well, um, 
my mom had dissociative identity disorder and she was super abusive and my brother had schizophrenia and he thought that my mom was trying to put demons inside of him and my dad was also super fucked up so i guess that i'm just like the most fucked up person in the entire world most definitely in this room but you know like plot twist <laughs> she was putting people doing? inside of him <laughs> <laughs> I also loved the accent slip when she says schizophrenia. Oh my God, yeah. Schizophrenia. schizophrenia? I was like, Tony, yeah. no one's perfect. It's fine. How so, fucked yeah. up? Her, the, you're, the fact that you're so scared of her mom and she's never, doesn't have any lines because she's dead at the beginning, but like she mm-hmm. appears a couple of times in like apparition form and she's just like this crazy, psychotic, Satanist demon woman who like this whole cult is just putting trying to conjure this demon into male hosts and they try it with different people and Ann Dowd, I guess, tried it with her um, son and grandson, which we've, we learned later, spoiler alert. She's not actually, she was part of the call. She, she's Tony's grief support friend. I love that. Yeah. Um, It's just like so creepy because she finds these photo albums of like, what did that thing say? It was like, gold is showered upon the conjurer of yeah of the oh and she uh, finds the matching uh like doormats that her mom mm-hmm, had embroidered that have the symbols yeah. yeah i don't know if you noticed mallory because you watched it as you go but uh the telephone pole has the i did symbol see on that it. and i was like really? well at first when i saw that where, when does it first appear in the movie? When the first, they're driving to the party, the party in the daylight, you see yeah. they pass the telephone pole and the symbol is engraved on it, which means the whole thing was literally, which makes me also think who from the cult was at the party making nuts in that cake? Because yeah. who, like who put the telephone in a chocolate pole there? Cake. They knew. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. IMDb <laughs> trivia says that one of the stoners that the son is smoking with under the bleachers is later seen at the final scene in the that's so funny. Identified purely by man bun. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. what it's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's so many details oh, and layers to it, and it's just so freaky to think, like, that was all doomed from the beginning. I also. That's so cool. I I didn't realize until watching it, um, last night, that they don't really say what Paymon is until the very end when right. Anne Dowd is like, Paymon, one of the eight kings of hell. I remember being in the theater and at that moment being like, fuck this. But <laughs> now, like, not but the now, first two hours, but that is when Sam was like, bye. Like, cause I was fully like, it's a psychological thriller about grief. Like I, I was that smart ass. Uh, but watching it again, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is. Uh, th- this was this was very well telegraphed. Uh, no, there's just like so many horror elements of all kinds of horror genres in there because yeah. you know you have the supernatural. You have the that's why people. A lot of people had Sam and I originally talked in like 2018 when this came out about how like there was you know, you could tell a lot about a person. What did you say? Who liked the first? Oh, half by which the half, half they preferred. Or, or was more scared by, I guess. I feel like the first half yeah. is more traumatizing to me and the second half is more to you. That's what you said anyway, right, Sam? Well, no, because my thing was by which half they liked better. Because I oh, liked okay. the first half better than the second half. Uh, but then I posted a poll to my Twitter and it was exactly a 50-50 split. Hmm. Well, because it's just so much more of a supernatural thriller in the second half because you have... The, yeah. 
the Satanism and everything, but it's also interesting because it's even like camp horror in there with like all the naked people at the end. It's just like ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. It's so, you literally laugh out loud because. Oh, I didn't. I wrote in my notes, there's nothing scarier <laughs> than naked people when you don't expect yeah. but them. The first, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. The first like naked I, person. I like that was the time when I was like, oh, I <laughs> threw up. The first naked person who appeared in the house uh, was actually the smiling guy from the funeral who smiled. I didn't at notice the first time I saw the movie, and then Me I neither. see this again. I'm like, oh no, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> I was like, it's not uh, that guy. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everyone yeah. was, but also a question that I have for all of you was. Tony says way after Charlie's death that she was 13. But what age did you guys think she was before that? Because as soon as she said my 13-year-old daughter, I, I lost my – both times I watched the movie. Yeah. I was like, that I child like, is uh, seven max? at yeah. best. She's somewhere like, between uh, maybe four and 80. If she has I would have gone with nine. Yeah. Nine. Um, I think I was wondering why she reads so young to me. And I think I think it's just because she doesn't have very many lines and because she's always kind of going like this, like little kids do. Like, or at least emotionally. Well, she kind of talks like, like a most, little kid. She's like most 13 year olds don't still play with toys. So the fact that that was something that her character did kind yeah. of like yeah. threw off. What and she was like was. creating a shrine of headless things and building right. a, a payment doll, which we didn't yeah. know yet. That's all. So, yeah. I thought was that Charlie that was Payman all very. The whole time? Um, I think I think that Paymon was in her, but he wasn't able to like do Paymon things because she was a girl. Mm. So the family had yeah. to die for her to go <sighs> because, into Alex Wolf. Because the grandma breastfed her with this, which we see it's in absurd. a. A diorama <laughs> that Tony makes uh, of the, the <laughs> grandma genuinely with insane. a giant boob going, please take, I must. <laughs> and she's like, your grandma always wanted to feed you. I couldn't even feed you because your grandma wanted to feed you. <laughs> how, do, how does that make sense? How does an old lady breastfeed when she hasn't okay. had kids in five hours? I'm glad this isn't just confusing to guys. <laughs> well, really sure. I wonder well, if it is like a rare condition that like the like I you, remember you're in hormonal sync with your daughter. I know, I know, I I know the answer to this, but it doesn't okay. make hereditary plausible. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? Okay, so your body will start producing breast milk when you like have a kid, and it will continue to produce breast milk for as long as you breastfeed. Right. So in the olden days, um, in like Shakespeare times, uh nurses would nurse babies because that was their job who did and she whenever find? one exactly like i want to know who the grandma was breastfeeding was she like breastfeeding Millie the Shapiro heads of pigeons that charlie brought, brought her like she breastfed peter for like a lot of his life maybe no, no she, she members, maybe? kept him away work? from peter oh that's right that that's right scientific oh. question could she breastfeed adult cult members <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Jake, I don't know Wait, if you remember yes. when DSA Theater did uh, Grapes of Wrath, and at the I very do. end, Rosa Sharon breastfeeds an old man. So yeah, but she had just given so she had just given would, birth though. The grandma would have to have <laughs> been breastfeeding since Tony was a baby. So she just spent the first, like, even after Tony cut her off after after Alex Wolf was born, she just kept breastfeeding. She was like, one day I I'll have a granddaughter. She breastfed and Or she just has a pump. Maybe she just like kept a pump with her all the time. She sells her breast milk on the internet. Satanistbreastmilk.com. I mean, a lot of professional that's ballet it. dancers do that. A lot sure, of female professional yeah. ballet, ballet dancers, dancers keep 
Yeah, because most female ballet dancers don't have big boobs. So they love having big boobs so much that they continue <sighs> breastfeeding for a while. Like a lot of the dancers in, um, I shouldn't, this is TMI, but <laughs> like <laughs> in one of the companies that I used to like, maybe cut parts of this out, but in one of the companies I used to dance with a lot of the professional ballerinas would like breastfeed their kid until the kid was like five. Yeah, maybe cut I know all someone that who out, did it until she it's also six. It's also it's either impossible or very difficult to get pregnant while you're breastfeeding. So in the book version of Room, oh. um, it said that Brie Larson breastfeeds her son like until he's five, basically until they escape from the room because she doesn't want to get oh pregnant. Oh my god, again. I remember that. That's oh. a damn good book. Yeah, I haven't read it actually. I think I just read it on the IMDb trivia. <laughs> Um, I think that the most likely scenario is that she would like breastfeed people in the cult. Yeah, that's probably for a really long time, though, because she was old. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you think the grandma died um, on purpose, though? Yes. So grandma was no, she had like cancer, right? Well, yeah, but it could have been Satan um, induced. schizophrenic no that was the brother I said she had did which i incidentally tony has in the united states of terror but i this don't... movie is very united states of terror yeah i remember when she said that in the theater we were both like oh yeah imagine um in in the eulogy at the begin at the very very beginning of not the eulogy the obituary that comes on screen at the oh beginning. the very first yeah. thing you see oh yeah. yeah yeah it says like she died after a prolonged illness and I don't think it's ever specified which I illness think it, it was. Could have been so what do we think the trajectory of the demon is? Because did the grandma conjure the demon and put it in Charlie, or was the grandma payment first? I think, I think that, she put it in Charlie because yeah. Charlie said that grandma's mad that I wasn't born a boy. So mm-hmm. I I don't think I think she planned that before Charlie was born. So I think it was pretty set. And it makes me wonder how Tony was so oblivious to a lot of these things growing up, though. That's the thing. I guess because she was a girl. I think that that's that's also one of the themes of the movie is that there's stuff that goes on in your family history that you don't know about. Like, you know how sometimes your mom will just drop random bits of family history that, like, change your world as if it's nothing? (laughs) Yeah. And then they're like, she's like didn't i ever tell you that and you're like absolutely not my mom dropped one time when i was in high school i was signing up for relay for life which was this like cancer walk mm-hmm. that our school did um because everyone on long island has cancer not everyone on long island <laughs> everyone in bayville has cancer because of the water because the, right? the, the water is like poison so our town has like a crazy high cancer rate um but on the forum, they were like, have you or a family member ever had cancer? And I marked down no. And my mom was like, why don't you mark down yes? And I said, because I don't want to lie. And she said, your grandpa had cancer two years ago. That's why he stayed with us. And I said, you told me this is not cancer when he moved in. And she was oh, like, man. did I? <laughs> That's such a mom move, though. I was like, like I fucking guess he had cancer. <laughs> I feel like the thing is sometimes parents do say things to protect you, but then they forget that they did or they forget yeah. like you age into a, a state of knowing is fine. But then they forget that they told you something and then they're like, don't you remember when that happened? And yeah. like, oh, no, you weren't an adult yet. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't think it was worth your time because you were busy having acne and being annoying. Or they were like, oh, wait, you were like 
playing with your Barney doll. So I probably shouldn't have told you about all the deep seated family yeah. secrets. You were still, you know, you I were also still was fully like 13 years old when my grandpa had cancer. So there was no reason Wait. to not. Yeah, tell but you had a lot of younger siblings. So maybe they were just lumping you all together. Maybe. You would leak it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> leak. I like, probably would have. <laughs> When my when my mom got pregnant with my youngest sister, she told uh, me and the rest of my siblings because it was still the first trimester. I guess so. In retrospect, she was like, "I might miscarry," but she was like, "She was like, I'm probably gonna have a baby, but don't tell anybody." And then and the next day, I told my frenemy who told everybody. My brother didn't tell anyone. My sister was in pre-K, which was ultimately my mom's mistake. But when my mom went to pick her up, all of my sister's friends, like three-year-old, four-year-old friends, were like, show her the song, show her the song. And my mom was like, oh, Megan, you came up with a song? And my sisters start singing, my mom is having a baby. My mom is having a baby. My mom is having a baby. And it's coming out of her butt. (laughs) So she knew right away that she couldn't trust any of us. Wow. And it's coming out of her butt. Mm. That's where it's I used to think it And it did. From, and it did. Yeah. <laughs> Not it her did. or they or him. Yeah. They, it did. It came out of her butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pennywise the dancing clown came out of my mother's asshole in 2004. <laughs> um, yeah, I want your mom. Where were we with the film? <laughs> Oh, well, I remember. From okay, wait. Was I was <laughs> yeah. I the only person who cried during this movie the first time I saw it? Because I was openly weeping in the theater. After when did you Shabba. weep? After Charlie died, when Alex mm. Wolf is smoking under the bleachers with his friends, and he starts like oh, having man. a panic attack, and he and says, says, "My throat's getting bigger," and says, "I think my throat's getting oh. bigger." I cried. No, but cause... I was like, if I were to cry right now, I wouldn't be mad at myself, but I'm not going to cry. Because you was, know what? That was my exact. He part. kind of looks like my brother. And back when I thought Charlie hmm. was seven, he he and my youngest sister had like the same age difference. And my sister's diabetic. So I was like, oh, if, wow. if my brother ever brought Melanie to a party and she had like a medical emergency and he decapitated her on a pole, he would be so Rough. sad and I would not want him to be sad. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so like, which is one of the greatest strengths of this movie, I think, is that it makes you really care for the characters before... Uh, yes. anything bad really happens i wasn't a huge fan of the dad i don't really think he i didn't has give a, a lot to the offer dad. the story and i was wonder he if supposed that matters to be american what was that accent his accent kept changing i was like I, oh they're coming they're coming son we need to go away and i'm like <laughs> i just don't really get why like here's the thing i find his character a little boring but I wonder if adding more character to him would hinder the movie because it's not really about him. He's just mostly there to be like a rock for his. He's like wife the straight and son. man character. Like yeah. if it were a comedy, he's like his yeah. only he just married weird into the thing. Family. Right. His only weird thing he does though is like he finds out early on that the grandma has been dug up out of her grave and just doesn't tell Tony, <laughs> and then <laughs> later they find he's like her headless corpse in the attic. And that's a great moment too, because you think that it's gonna be, she just imagined it. 
Yeah. And then he goes he goes up there to see and you hear off screen him going, Jesus Christ! <laughs> like it's still there. And you're like, okay, phew, it's still there. I also yeah, loved loved the scene when he gets the initial phone call. Uh, my roommate Hannah pointed out he's on the phone very audibly going like, desecrated, what do you mean? And Tony asks him yeah. what it's about. And he goes, it's just a billing question. <laughs> yeah, Desecrated <Okay>. pills. <laughs> you would think he would worry about that more. It's fine. It's just about money. Yeah, it's just like, more fees. Your... The fees have desecrated the total. If your mother-in-law... Des- they desecrated our savings, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> If your mother-in-law's corpse was dug up a week after the burial and then your daughter died like a month later, I don't know. Would you not freak out? Like I would freak out. Like there would be something going on to me. He he had Well, it depends on if I hated my mother-in-law because I don't, obviously I don't think he loved the grandma. Yeah. But. Right. Well, no one did apparently. Yeah. Except for Charlie. Maybe. Because she was a demon. That's true. That's true. That'll 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 really fix relationships with your grandparents as if you're I I loved in the beginning after the funeral when the dad asks Alex Wolf if he's sad and he's like mm. <laughs> He's like I know. We've been there. We've all been there. That was I don't know. I feel like that's what I love about like this or like Ari's films in particular because I still don't think love is a word that I'm capable of using with any part of hereditary yet. I can appreciate it, but I think that like the very, I don't want to say gritty, but they're such beautifully like nuanced moments within the family. Like, I feel like that's such a clear and like almost vulnerable relationship between father and son is like that moment, just like little things like that. I think Mm -hmm. we're really like kind of why it stands out as a horror movie is because like, not only that, but like the details of like the symbol showing up everywhere and like little different like bits coming in and out. Like that makes it stand out as opposed to like some a film where like someone's just murdering everyone in a building. Yeah. The yeah. dialogue like, is very believable, especially the teen dialogue, like coming to a yeah. party tomorrow night, bring your dick. Like <laughs> there um yeah. there is a letterboxed review of this movie that I really oh. love that I'm going to quote directly. Um, just based off what, based off of what you were saying, Mallory, about the sort of real human moments, um, Demi Adigiwebe wrote on Letterboxd, he said, I think I'm finally realizing what it is that makes people laugh in this movie. It feels like Ari Aster's directing style for performances, at least, is focused more on making an actor's emotions feel real rather than cinematic. And often real emotions look goofy as fuck, like a teenage boy crying mommy, a grieving mother repeatedly screaming and contorting her face into an ugly scowl, two angry parents who stumble on their own words while trying to communicate in anger or move past their own stages of grief. I can see it coming off as silly when the average horror movie casts every emotion in the shadow of fear and not real human behavior. But Wow. Right? Yeah. That's, That's basically so what I meant. that's true you know what i thought i actually i just remembered that there are so many i think there is such a clear progression of i don't know the order of them but the stages of grief uh in this movie uh or whatever they're like because you know for sure there's anger right and then there's definitely bargaining the bargaining is like the seance denial was tristan an improv class right before yeah i denied this movie (laughs) and i deserve all the grief it caused me um what are the stages um, denial, anger, sadness, bargaining. 
acceptance Bar- bargaining is definitely the the seance part yeah yeah and tony saying that she's the only one who can stop it and she's upsetting she's like seriously upsetting um her Alex, family oh, what's this character's name peter? Peter. peter uh seriously like upsetting him and he's crying that seance scene is so scary like yeah it's, it's, I but just love how an Tony's hour, so fucking good in that scene. I know. I was like, nobody else could do that but her. I'm like, th- we're an yeah. hour into the movie. There's really been no actual supernatural, like, legitimate thing happen yet. Yeah. And then Ann Dowd's in the parking lot. And she goes, oh, my God. I talked to my grandson at the seance. Oh, my God. And apparently. I know like, what you're thinking, Tony. I know what you're thinking. But shut up. We need to do it. Like I love that scene, too, because Tony's just like. Yeah right, yeah right, you're right, and she's just like no. And no, I love that Tony please. is like on the brink of like busting out laughing that entire scene because she's yes. like, "This isn't fucking real. I'm not yeah. gonna acknowledge any part of this." Like, I talk about the jump it, scare. Tony. Yeah, she's like a jump acting. scare and a laughter moment in the theater when she's driving and you hear the in the back seat. Everyone oh. in the theater went ah! <laughs> and then just started laughing. Like, do you remember that? I remember. Yeah. That scene, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's just like an, oh, please, no. <laughs> like, why? Why did you take that there? This was one of those, like, amazing movie theater experiences where, like, nobody was talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, like, there were just no distractions. Nobody Someone was did do a tongue click, though, um, to incite a reaction from the audience later in the movie. Do you remember uh, that? Oh, Someone was like, rude of them. And everyone was like, <gasps> really? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I feel like if I have to rewatch this movie again, I'm just every time I hear a tongue click, I'm just gonna imagine that it's a drag queen tongue click, and it'll like make a... me feel better. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a Wait, clock, also... There's a click and there's a pop. The click is what hereditary, and the pop. But we, is the I'm gonna drag. imagine it's a pop. Oh, wait. Also, that's the other thing. There's a weird sound that like pops up in Midsummer a lot too. The like, <gasps> so <gasps> it's. No. I don't know. I want to know what Ari's. I want. I want to know if he sits down to write a script and is like. You want to know if he's single? Yes, but also <laughs> um, I want to know if he sits down to write a script and is like, "What's the weirdest fucking noise I can think of right now?" There we go. That'll be our little anchor throughout the movie because it's. I don't know. It's weird that like such simple sounds are like yeah so much dread because every time i heard a click i turned and like i turned another light on in my apartment and by the end like everything was on and it's and it's such a hard balance to strike because it can so often take the audience out of it and be like Mm -hmm. oh this filmmaker's making Mm -hmm. this sound happen again because they want me to be scared i feel (laughs) like that that's how i felt at the end of click when he was gonna die i was like this is emotionally manipulative but ari aster has a really good way of making it feel organic yeah and the score was super helpful too i think it's the scariest Mm -hmm. music i've ever heard like it's just so i don't know apparently IMDb Trivia talks so much. I recommend everyone go read the full trivia if you've seen the movie already and like want to know. There's just so much detail that went into everything and like every single minute of planning with the sounds and the set design and it's just like crazy. I can't believe someone came up with all this. And like, I'm honestly afraid of him, to be honest. Like, (laughs) this is scary fucked up shit. Midsummer, I found a little bit less scary overall, but I did enjoy it as like a a mood kind of piece. Um, but I'm intrigued to see what he does next. Apparently, he has ten scripts already written that he's yeah. like, yeah, to... that was a fucking insane thing to read. That he has ten yeah. scripts already written. 
Like, I'm like, how does he ah! them? Like, does he just have like a big vault and he like wakes up one day and is like, you know what, the Swedish death cult one, or like, you like, know what? I've never, I've never even, I've never even finished one script. I want to write the Tony Collette movie. I'm like, this is my Tony Collette movie. script. So, there you go. And Dowd is so good in this movie. Oh when my god! When she's standing across the street from the school, yelling, uh, "I expel you!" at I Alex, I thought Wolf. she was Margot Nobody Martindale notices. when I first saw her. She is very Margot like, Martindale. I, I one of one of my almost awards was role that I would have maybe cast Margot Martindale in, and then I was like, "Just kidding, just kidding." That's rude. That's rude to Anne Dowd. But her and Margot Martindale have very similar vibes. Have, Did you? Oh wait, wait, no, Sam. Have <clears throat> any of you seen the new season of Search Party? Because Anne Dowd has like a two episode arc on it. Oh wait, I forgot that the new episodes came out. Oh my yeah, gosh. They're they're dropping them like three episodes per week on HBO Max. I for, we didn't watch nice. the next three yet. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so excited. Yeah. She, oh Sam, right. I, so I got my parents' Xfinity password specifically to watch Joe Para on their HBO <gasps> account. I was like, I think my favorite episode is where he discovers um the Who. That one. Yeah. And he's like have you guys heard this song, Baba O'Reilly? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. What is My favorite, uh, Joe Barrett Talks, talks, with, talks you. with You. Oh. So calming. No, so it doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, it's on like Adult Swim, but HBO Max oh, okay. picked it up for streaming. I think that HBO Max picked up a lot of Adult Swim stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's also like Definitely. weirdly the least absurdist thing on Adult Swim, which is kind of cool. Yeah, like, definitely. It's it's definitely like the calmest thing on Adult Swim by far. Yeah, definitely. It's it like just, plays that up too. It's, it's just like, like a, a nice a boy dad. telling you about beans. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, he goes to mass and is like, he literally is like, I heard this song by the Who for the first time and it's really great. And like that's, I should have watched that right after watching this movie because I could not sleep at all last night. I, I watched Animaniacs like for three hours until I fell oh asleep. That's I, I'm so glad I didn't dream about this movie because I, I did a lot between watching it. We watched it earlier in the day and I ended up just dreaming about me and Amy Klobuchar running for president <laughs> and, and Rihanna, Rihanna chose Amy over me. So I don't know what that means. But um, what did you guys... You think about and doubt did you guys know when you first watched it, Tristan and you Mallory did you suspect her from the beginning or did you kind of was it revealed to you later I did not suspect a single thing at all I was like oh this is just I mean so she comes on with like very strong like midwestern housewife vibes right and you're like oh mm-hmm. I'm from the midwest this is nice it's just a support person and then yeah it starts getting into that whole like we're gonna do a seance and now you do a seance with three of your friends and then they'll do it with three of their friends. And you're like, it's like a pyramid scheme. This is definitely a multi-level marketing scheme. And I'm like, oh, something bad is happening here. They're like Herbalife or a cult. Well, Mallory, did you, did you suspect her? Cause I remember, I don't think I did until she got to the, she goes to bang on her door and then you see inside of her apartment, there's all these candles lit and a picture of Peter yeah. on the table. Well, and you're that's like, thing is, I felt exactly the way that Tristan described it the like i i thought she was so pure and so nice and like just a very like a welcomed and it like not uncomfortable but like abnormal for the rest of the movie like a warm presence but i feel like because she was such a like 
quick to act, quick to respond, nice person, that was kind of sus in retrospect. Like now mm-hmm. I think if I were to watch it again, I'd be like, for one, who who runs up to a car going like, oh, oh, I just, were you going into the grief support group? Yeah. I'm, I'm grieving too. Like I, that's a little sus, but I kind of like what Tristan said, but once she was so excited to see her at the craft store, that's when I was kind of like, would be Margot Martindale, what are you doing? Like, well, apparently IMDb says she was buying the chalkboard yeah. in at the craft store and it's in her trunk. Lying yeah. bitch! What the <laughs> Oh yeah, I watched this like super detective mode where I was just pausing it all the time. And I was like, I wait, that's too. chalkboard, it's still wrapped. Because I didn't just... understand what was going on. Like I, I wanted to be a detective, but I would just have to rewind to be like, what? What happened? Uh, I mean, first time through, I I fully advocate, watch this without any controls. You have to let the movie run. That's Mm -hmm. the best part about watching it in theater. Could not do it, could not do it. I don't want to be here, I can't stop it. God, it took me three and a half hours to watch this two hour movie. I came so close to texting Jake halfway through this, asking to take an intermission so that I could like (laughs) smoke some CBD and calm down. (laughs) I was going crazy. I was literally just like- I walked to Target to take a break because I needed laundry detergent and I ended up just buying three things of cookies. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, like I, I, I was like, if I take an intermission, that just prolongs it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, if I ever watch it again, I'm literally just gonna skip around like 25 minutes to like 40. Oh, I, I could never. I, it's. I feel like I have an ayahuasca feeling about this movie, where during it, I want, I want to die, but then afterwards, I'm like, what a thrilling experience! I yeah. want to do it again. I know. I really want to watch it like, more now. Like wanna... the first time I saw it, I was like, I never want to see that again. Now I'm like, I want to watch it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it the spooky version of, it's like spooky Wes Anderson where like, I want to go back to look at the details, except for Wes Anderson's, I want to watch it because they're like fun and fluffy and spunky. <laughs> but I I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want any of the plot or experience of this. I just want to like, look at all the little parts over again. I know. Like, I think I, I didn't pause anything because Sam and I were r- watching it like roughly the same time because we were yeah supporting each other so i was very definitely to pause i would be very i would want to like um like especially like little i wanted to rehear her monologue about her family and i wanted to like look more in depth at the funeral and see like the people but i don't know alex Um, was and doubt at the funeral and doubt was at the funeral maybe maybe i don't i don't know i I think she already might have decided that she was gonna reveal herself she also to be she also might um, well, no, th- this was before she was like famous. Cause I was going to say she might be too famous to have her appear on set for one day to be in the background as like an Easter egg. That's true. But, but I also think that she hey, wouldn't Miley have revealed herself in the plot. In High School Musical too, and didn't say a word. So but she, got, ta- she got billing for that though. She was also <laughs> a child. She did whatever her parents told her. We're to do. all children at heart, aren't we, Sam? Come on. I, God. Were you talking about Alex Wolf? Yes. Okay. I love Alex Wolf's face acting (sighs) when Tony is giving her eulogy. He has, I feel just because, because I'm a failed actor and I remember being in acting school and being like, I really got to let the text do the work for me. 
you know, but Alex Wolf has so many silent moments in this movie where he has to get across so yeah. much stuff through just his face. And it's even harder because it's so many like hard close ups where he could, if he makes one wrong move, it could read as like over exaggerated. Yeah. And I thought that he did so, so fucking good with his moments of silence in this movie. And I know that his crying was like weird and corny, but I think that that added to it. The fact that I didn't know what about- the. The fact that I didn't know what the fuck he was doing when he was crying just made it more scary. And I thought Do you want to talk choice. about his method acting though? Because I find that all sus. I, I don't think there's any reason to method act. First of all, I'll go on the record. I have a degree in acting and I think method acting <laughs> is literally stupid. However, I am unemployed and not an actor. So who knows what's <laughs> going on? I'm just saying he made the whole cast and crew call him Peter on set. So funny. So funny. And then at the end of shooting, he introduced himself. At the end of shooting, he introduced himself as Alex. I'm like, girl. And Tony doesn't method act at all, and neither does Olivia Coleman. They just they don't even. But here's the thing: like, should Tony have method acted if it meant that she would say schizophrenia instead of schizophrenia? Like, (laughs) I don't think so. But But what I love about this movie is that it shows that all kinds of acting can result in a good product. And one of my biggest issues at acting school was that. So many of the teachers would be like, you do it my way or no way. Like my yeah. way is the best That's way to act. That's the most when it's obnoxious like, clearly, thing like, about college. Like, like you yeah. could, like you could, you could have one person method acting and one person not method acting and have them both give the best performances in the entire movie and have it be an incredible movie. So I think, but yeah. what I think but is also low key, like that. fuck method actors. I don't get along with you <laughs> on a personal level. Well, just and on then a personal, whole story. Like yeah. I just, I, I don't have the energy. I don't there's have the story energy. about the desk, the desk scene. He wanted to break his nose for real because he, mm-hmm. whatever. And then Ari Aster was like, I respectfully decline. And then there's like mixed messaging about this because apparently, but apparently the desk was like half soft, half hard. So he actually ended up dead breaking his nose and dislocating his jaw. So I don't know if that was a prank from the director or. I don't think that's plausible as a prank. I think he missed, apparently it said he like missed, uh, calculated where he was putting his head and he actually did hit it harder than he was supposed to um regardless i don't think you should ever have to break your nose for a part tony collette also there is something to be said about the weight of this material i don't think like he had a a lot to deal with i think tony might have had a little bit more um character wise to chew on yeah as a character it was a little more traumatic for her a bit slightly slightly just because he has less screen time so I was like, I feel like absorbing, it's like Keith Ledger or whatever. It's like absorbing this disturbing of content. Oh yeah, it's just not for good for you. All. So I don't think, okay. I think it actually makes sense counter, to though. not do that. I think that, I think Tony's character had, had more trauma that she knew she was dealing with. But I think Peter, I feel like he, at least to me, came off as like someone who was th- not thrown into a situation, but like all of these things are happening that he like, I don't know if he knew the like generational trauma that like he had inherited. And so it was something that I feel like he kind of had to process quietly, which might've been like a bigger yeah. internal struggle. Again, I feel like it's not healthy to psychoanalyze someone method acting like that, but. Yeah, I just think there's a time and a place, honestly, because like, I just think personally, if I was playing, that role I would literally be like I can't like replace my family in my mind with this or whatever you do because it's just it's too much like that is not especially shooting over a process of a couple 
and few in weeks. Utah, like you don't want to like, in Utah. No, 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 no. In no, no, Utah, no. I will you, say, gorgeous not... drive, gorgeous drive. Drove through Utah two weeks ago. Yeah, it's very pretty. I do think that, but it's repressive as fuck. <laughs> it's it's possible that Alex Wolf. Sorry, uh, that Alex Wolf is a method actor because this is I'm purely making shit up. Um, do you think it's possible that because he was a bit of a child star, he's trying to prove himself yes. as a serious actor? What was he in as a child? Naked, naked Brothers, Brothers Band. Band. With his brother, Nat Wolf, who was in. Were they naked? Because I would have found that scary. No, naked they're not naked. Don't want them. Um, what is his brother the one who's in all the John Green yes. movies? Oh my is... God. Oh my God. Fault in Our mm-hmm. Stars. Yeah. And, and Paper Towns. Yeah. And, um, and then he's in Hereditary. And my friend Dahmer. <laughs> oh, Alex Wolf is in my friend Dahmer. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. That's a Alex, really good movie. I wonder if he <clears throat> method acted for my friend Dahmer because he was very much. Um... Is he the titular Mai or? He's not. He's he's Dahmer's friend. The whole the, thing. A Disney star is Dahmer. The the other yeah, yeah. the blondie blonde. The, you know, you know. the whole Rush thing the whole thing is that Alex Wolf plays a sort of uh, Fred slash George Weasley type who's always mm. like I don't know pulling pranks at his school or whatever and he kind of becomes friends with Jeffrey Dahmer like as a joke and then they and then mm. he realizes that he's fucked up and is like oh no and that's the movie does he get killed no this no. the whole movie takes place before jeffrey dahmer starts killing people like it and ends based off a graphic novel about- yeah it it ends with him getting into um a car and then there's like a title card that shows up that's like he would go on to kill his first person this night or something but was- it's based on a graphic novel that was written by somebody who legit did go to high school with jeffrey okay. dahmer and like it's true see i don't like that stuff that scares me <laughs> But that's not as scary as hereditary. Like, no, do it you is. Think- I think real horror is scarier because like like actual things that can actually happen, um, that scares me more personally. That's you- why the first half of this movie is scary to me because it's, it could happen. Do you think that Alex Wolf method acted for his minor role in I mean, that Greek wedding too? What? Wait, what? what? He, for one, I still need to see the sequel. I love the first I mean, I one. He, what did he do? I know my computer's dying. I'm failing everything. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Oh, Let's okay. pause. <laughs> yeah. Wait, well, my big fat Greek. I just ate all my olives. Thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> I I would assume he did method act. I would assume he method acted for the the band of Na- Naked Brothers band. Yeah. They I were not like... naked. In that. And I'm glad because they were 12. But at the time when I was 12, I maybe maybe I would have thought differently. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I still would have been like naked people. No, too spooky. Um, Naked what? Brothers Band, the movie was Nickelodeon's first gay representation, I think. Because I remember the whole premise of the movie is that they're these this child band who's super famous, and there's a gay couple that appears for a couple seconds and is like, We had them play our wedding. And I remember being oh 12 gosh. and being like, Wow, oh. that's woke as fuck. And they mm-hmm. were, and that gay couple was Jojo Swa. <laughs> and Judge Swa Jr. Um what else happens in this movie? Oh, um, I don't know. Where were we with the movie? I think my favorite thing is that the last 20 minutes are 
completely just balls to the wall, batshit insane. Yeah. Terrifying. But that was like, I feel like as a viewer, that's a moment where you're kind of like, I mean, I paused it a lot. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I literally <laughs> paused it to like take breaths. Wait, Sam okay. Sam texted me saying nobody puts Tony in the corner. <laughs> 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 Tony Collette is so scary at the end. I forgot. I honest to God forgot that she gets possessed as well. Oh, you did? I, I completely <laughs> forgot about it. She bangs her head she, on the okay, door. She's, oh, in the, yeah. she's in the corner like two or three times, right? Because yeah. doesn't mm -hmm. she like float yeah. away from him? Yes. yes when, it, when, it's, when he first wakes up and it's nighttime and he doesn't know that the dad is burned and um, everything's gone to shit. He, he, she's like literally in the corner, like Spider-Man above yeah. him. And I you're rewatched like, that part like four times. Cause I was uh, like, is there something wrong with my screen? <laughs> what oh, is yeah. going on? Oh, it's so bad. And then, like the person I was watching this with, my friend at the movie was like, oh, holy shit. Did you see that? And I was like, no, I didn't see it. And then like, she's in the corner again. I she also just, like, didn't see that. And then like it finally away. zooms in. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Why has this been there the whole time? <laughs> and then she ends up just like booking it out of the other corner and you don't even, yeah. yeah. and she's fully so possessed. scary. I just think that this, the unnatural liquidiness of her floating behind Alex Wolf out the door, one of, again, one of the several times that I wanted to vomit, I was like, what? Yeah. yeah I, I had the most visceral reaction to her banging her head against the attic door. I completely forgot that it happened. Yes. And I I like jumped out of my seat last night in my living room and like put a blanket <clears throat> over my face because <laughs> understand not like it. And then he gets to the attic and oh. she cuts her and head there's off. More naked which people. was a practical effect. Yes, it was. Apparently she had a prosthetic uh, yeah. neck. Mm -hmm. yeah. She did it herself. She decapitated herself. Yes, Tony. See little bit method yeah, though. Just her facial bit. expression when she's when she's doing it. Practical effects are yeah. not method acting, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, mean, kind of. You, I think Tony was like thinking that time, like, "I am payment. I am payment. I'm cutting up my head. That is true. I'm payment. Well, that's just <laughs> regular <laughs> acting. Do you do that? <laughs> oh, beheading yourself is that's the method I learned. He looks like... away from her doing it and sees three naked people, one of whom is oh, a woman no, who just... goes, "Hi!" and yeah. waves. <laughs> Okay, should we take a poll in that moment? What is more disturbing? Tony Collette beheading herself or the three naked people? The three naked people, right? I think the beheading. I think watching your mom decapitate herself for sure. I think so. No, the, I think if you find three like, naked people a little more terrifying than I, can, you know, I, I, I did Mallory, I, I think that you just need to go to therapy, Mallory. <laughs> Go twice a week and my therapist agrees with you. Oh my God. Go <laughs> pretend pretend that you are in a character in this movie and like describe something that happened. <laughs> yeah. Like Sam in our college uh, freshman Facebook group uh, oh role played as Carrie White and like said, a boy asked me to the prom. What did you say? In our in our like class of 2017 Marymount Manhattan College Facebook group that everybody joined in their senior year of high school after they made their choice, I decided to have a little bit of fun and I made a post that was like, guys, I need some advice. This really popular boy just asked me to prom, but I know that he has a girlfriend and I feel like he's trying to trick me. Also, 
Um, my mom just locked me in the prayer closet. Also, I just found out I'm telekinetic. LOL, what do I do? <laughs> and people believed you. People were like, you should go for it, girl. I was like, well, you just oh, killed my entire it. senior class. Because I'm caring. You were like, everyone, you were like, everyone, link me to your prayer closet Pinterest boards. I really need to mm-hmm. redo mine. Like, yeah. I love that. I wish I had done that. My prayer closet is just so blah. <laughs> I really want to put some shelves in, maybe get some plants. Mm-hmm. That, I love Carrie. And now I love, I, I will say, just this movie, like that last scene, yeah. I just can't. I just. Which last scene? I In my head, there's like six last scenes. Okay, because the last 20 minutes. I checked out when the three naked people showed up. Remember when he, he jumps out the window, Payman enters him. Because Payman is seen as this like little piece of light throughout yeah. the movie and you see tony's headless figure floating up to the treehouse the which we haven't even mentioned the treehouse yet by the uh, way but damn tree um house. then they have charlie's head that really was a treehouse of horrors <laughs> also no. it's like way more people than it lets on it did it they so have many people charlie's head on the like a clown figure. car if it's a lot of people like yeah. They have all the naked people bowing. They have and there's fully have like forty people in there at the end of it. Headless corpse and, grandma, and they headless still have corpse space Tony. For an altar. <laughs> yeah. And then not Alex Wolf, not Nat Wolf. Alex Wolf is crowned. And then the credits transition into this like lovely little folk song. And then you're just like, stop. <laughs> I immediately turned the lights on and I was like, I want to die. And then I left the room and, and, and took a shot of vodka. I was about to call Jake <laughs> and then I was like, it's 2 a.m. on the East Coast. I can't, I can't. But I wanted to call you because I was freaking out. I was like, what do I do now? Which is weird because I love horror movies and it felt weird that I wanted to be like, Jake, call me, please. I told you. I told you. I, people, I warned people actively for like, the the whole the summer this came out, I would tell people, "Have you seen Hereditary?" And they'd be like, "No." And be like, "Do you plan to?" And they'd be like, "Yes." And I'd be like, "Don't see it." I was warning. <laughs> yeah. I told my family to not watch it. I was like, "Please, nice. I care about you. Very Just nice. don't did watch it." Did Pam and I... Todd watch it? They did. They didn't think it was scary or good. Oh my god. Huh. Listen, I personally am just happy that they actually weren't scarred by it because yeah. that's all I cared about. I was like, "Don't watch it because I'm worried." And what if they're lying to you because your family it was has too much payment. oh because they love payment <laughs> yeah they're, they're trying to possess you they just want you to come home they're like we yeah. can't so let can put on the demon inside of you methodist pastors yeah and then that, they that's found a good cover. method it's a method <laughs> methodist actors did you say oh pastors uh-oh um i'll see myself out now bye uh my only problem with the movie is a little bit I think that I'm not going to say it's overplotted because it's not, and it, it, it is talkable about. But I think the progression it of is the Taco demon. Bell. Sorry, I thought you said Taco Bell, and I thought it was really funny. Yeah, it is talkable, which is not a word. Um, I, it's a little confusing where the demon is at any given time. Yeah, and 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 also Tony's role in carrying it on. It's a little unclear to me, the, but I don't really care. You know, the mythology Wait, so- is understated. Yeah, when, you have oh, to read like it literally. Okay, I, I don't know if this was the same for you guys, but I, it's it's not clear that like the light is demonic at all until like a solid hour and a half into the movie, right? right. Like that that's no. not. 
Well, okay. it, when does it enter? it enter Charlie when she's in her classroom when the bird yeah. dies? Is that when it enters her? I think so. Because she right? sees it at least. It leads her she outside. Because it. It, it it like leads it leads not just hers but like it generally like leads a character's focus somewhere, right? Yeah. Before it starts possessing people. Yes, it leads Peter to look into the glass and see himself smiling at himself. While the so, teacher casually like, talks I, about the Great Depression. Yeah. Great <laughs> 1929 was a 2021? <laughs> that was also a very elementary school type set, I thought. Her classroom. I'm just really... I'm. I'm charlie's classroom mm. oh yeah but also like the fact that she she does act like a child because she's literally at her grandma's funeral doodling and going doodling and yeah. eating chocolate with this weird overhand grip that's just like really unsettling <laughs> yeah oh my god and, I in, love and when she's so in the bed unsettling. talking to tony and she's like who's gonna take care of me i love that when sweatshirt, you're though. dead but Apparently, she does sound like a small child did you see the imdb thing when ari aster had alex wolf take her Millie Shapiro out in character shopping and they and, and eating and like she didn't speak for like three hours and he had to like guess what sweatshirt she wanted yeah. and then they bought the sweatshirt I love that that's so funny and he was like you want milk or do you want water honestly she would be a great movie, Halloween I costume I read that and I was I'm like I'm kind of dressed like that <laughs> you are. I, I read that <laughs> trivia I was like these actors are fucking dedicated because I know that if I had to hang out with uh, my co-star in character halfway through I would just give up on it and be like so what train did you take to get here like just try to Syosset make a learned. friend mm-hmm. um, do we have yeah. any uh, stray observations before we move on to awards well, let me check IMDb. my notes which are mostly oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck <laughs> okay this uh, is so unrelated but when Tony goes to the like support group i feel like in every movie or tv show where a character goes to like um group therapy or aa or something like that if they're new they always arrive late and i understand that it's like oh they're new but like that's rude as fuck do you really want to show up for the first time late like i get it you're the protagonist but like do we really need to keep doing this and so i i wrote that i spent 10 minutes writing that down before continuing to watch the movie (laughs) So for that reason, I decided to bring it up. Nice. The end. <laughs> I think a stray thought I have is the, um, we didn't even mention yet, but like an hour into the movie, you don't even find out. And then Tony's randomly talking to Ann Dowd and she's like, one time I sleepwalked and almost lit my kids on fire. And Peter's <laughs> mad at me ever since. <laughs> and I just don't know why. Everyone, it happens to everyone. Like, oh Yeah. Do we think that was a demonic possession thing? Or is that just her Well, that made being me weird? think that she, like, it seemed, before Charlie died, I thought that Peter was her favorite because she said that she didn't let her mom near Peter, but near Charlie. Yeah. But then after Charlie died, it made me feel like she didn't really give a shit about either of her kids now that one of them was gone. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, clearly, I, she I thought cared that about I thought, Charlie, but... yeah, she definitely um, loved both of her kids. I took it as more of like a, I think that I projected onto Tony's character a little bit because I've always said that I don't want to have kids because um, mental illness runs in my family like very, very strongly. 
And I feel like there is the sort of, you know, like Tony's family thinks that she's gone insane by the second half of the movie. So they sort of think that she is like becoming her mother in that sense, that she's developed DID possibly, that she's maybe bipolar or schizophrenic or something else that some member of her family was. Schizophrenic? Yeah, I thought that it was like that. Uh, One straight observation I had from my detective work pausing the movie is I'm, of course, I paused the movie to read the book about payment, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, of course. And, uh, so like the second paragraph, they're like describing payment. They're like, oh, it has like a feminine looking face. But then it keeps saying lines like, is referred to using strictly masculine pronouns, uh, becomes livid and vengeful when offered a female host. And then it also has a sentence, it is imperative to remember that King Payment is a male. <laughs> it's like, this is a whole paragraph about a demon being misgendered, <laughs> and being vengeful for it. <laughs> Pronouns have mattered since the beginning, everyone. Wow. Come on. Paymon is the biggest snowflake of all. It's just mad. Yeah. So mad. He's not, it's like, he's not even the devil. He just hates women so much. Yeah, he's just some (laughs) random duke from hell. Yeah. Well, I wonder why he never possessed. Keeps getting put into them. (laughs) He's like, why do you keep putting me into ladies? I didn't want that. Why didn't the grandma try to put him into Tony's husband? I think because he wasn't part of the family line. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. It's not hereditary, Jake. So, Jake, your favorite movie that we have watched so far for this podcast has been Madame. Is hereditary better than Madame? Oh, my God. I don't know how to answer this because I don't want to ever talk about this movie again. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. It's a great movie. It's so good. And I actually really like it a lot. And I'm so sad and scared of it but yes hereditary is a really good movie i will write that down in case i can't remember next week <laughs> that hereditary <laughs> is better than madame the way that jake just described it is like the michael scott quote where he's like i want people to be afraid of how much they love me like that's you talking about this movie true yes okay Here in the Tony Awards, we give three awards to each and every movie, the first of which is best prop. So Mallory, what was your best prop? Well, initially I put Millie Shapiro's funeral chocolate bar. And then I wrote because same, but I, I, but then I changed it to the chalkboard because it felt more important, but I think I'm going to stick with the chocolate bar just because- We could all use some chocolate at funeral. Funeral. Sometime. Yeah. 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 Or all the time. Well, what about you, Tristan? Okay, my best prop goes to grandma's happy scrapbook because <laughs> like the amount of events that had to happen for there to just be a whole happy straight scrapbook of Satanists. It was just insane. It's like, what is the process that leads you to make this? You're like, okay, we got to take happy photos or is it like they're real cult meetings or just like Joan made snacks. We talked yeah. about demons. <laughs> Literally again. <laughs> There's so many pictures of Ann Dowd specifically. And yeah, exactly. It's just, and they're all so like happy. I wonder if Everyone's the grandma like... was just following Ann Dowd around with like a Polaroid camera. Going, I'm like, like this I'm is like... for posterity. Like I'm like, you know what? Maybe yes, Hail Paymon. These people look like they've got it going on. They look like they have it all yeah. figured out. They look She's great. been showered with gold coins at one point. You're like, what yeah. is this photo? <laughs> I also do like, want Ann Dowd. Like, <laughs> I love uh, her. Okay. Um, what was your best prop, Jake? 
Oh, um, mine's gross. It's bugs. Um, there were so many <laughs> ants and flies in this movie that were just so creepy. Like there were so many flies because there was so much death, but it was just yeah. like, you know, the bugs on the corpses, the, the flies in the attic. It was just very like visceral and like you knew that shit was about to get real every time the flies or ants appeared and you're like, ugh, yeah. Yeah. My best prop was Alex Wolf's dead-eyed smile in his own reflection in class. Uh, just because it reminded me of this game that we played in freshman year where we could see who could have the scariest dead-eyed smile. We did that? Um, Chelsea introduced it to us in freshman year. And we played oh. it like once. <laughs> but I haven't stopped thinking about it since. Chelsea would be really scary in this movie. They would. Dead eyed uh, smiles are hard. I can't do one. Just really? Try. Yeah, don't recommend. Uh, best Tony moment? That's like the opposite of my problem, which is that I looked dead eyed too often. <laughs> you physically cannot give yourself dead eyes? No, I can look dead eyed, but only but like not with smile? the dead rest of my face because when I, because I have a dumb smile, I'm like, <laughs> like, okay. I just, <laughs> The next award is best Tony moment. So Jake, what was your best Tony moment? So hard. There's so many good ones. Um, but I really, what stuck with me the most of the past day or so is, since I watched it, is that nightmare she has when she's um, fighting with Peter in his room and she like is suddenly there covered in the paint thinner that she talked about. And she's just, they're suddenly wet and you don't see it happen. And she's just going, no, I love you. Ah! <laughs> like screaming and like, it's so creepy. And then she wakes up. Um, but that was my personal favorite. I mean, of course there are so many honorable mentions, but I'll let you guys yeah. say yours. Uh, Tristan, what about you? Uh, I mean, I kind of wanted to go with like her telling her husband to back off while she's like painting the miniature of her child's head <laughs> in the road. Just because that's just like the purest, let me do my art objective moment of the all time. Oh my God, when she's like, come on. Yeah. When he sees it, he's just like, what are you doing? And she's like, hello. And also the she's pole like, is Steve, so babe. big. It's massive. Yeah. Massive. Also, so she big. wasn't there for this moment. What is she recreating? <laughs> the car has never been, the head was on the side of the road. I don't know. <laughs> it's her art. God. It's important. No, so maybe uh, it's either that or it's like the one moment where her face changes as she gets possessed because that's just fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh when yeah. she's like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Real quick, we should talk about how they. to be emotionless, but I thought that was like. <laughs> I thought the face she made when she like switched was like thirsty as fuck. Like that was <laughs> the vibe that it gave yeah. me. Well, they, they spoiled the fact that she burned her husband in the trailer. Just had to put that out there. Like, yeah. that is so stupid. Like, it that shows that full me. scene. And, like, I knew it was happening the whole time. Yeah, yeah, they had that whole argument about whether to throw the book in the fire when we know that the husband's going to get set on fire. because it was Literally. Like... I missed that. Right. Yeah. I also missed that. I was like, Tony. I, rem I remember being in the theater during, during that scene and being like, oh, this is a moment that the husband is on Burns. Fire. You were like, I can go to the be like, now. Be like, he's gonna get about this in the trailer. Yeah, I was like, he's 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 gonna catch fire. He's gonna catch fire. He's gonna catch fire. <laughs> the whole movie. He's yeah. gonna catch fire. He's gonna catch fire. Um, my my best Tony moment was the the sleepwalking monologue that she gives Anne out when she's casually like, yeah. I tried to kill my kids because I also forgot that it happened until 
it, it happened. Uh, what about you, Mallory? I, I initially put her like mic drop grief circle moment, but I think my favorite part of her performance was when after Ann Dowd chases her down and is like, I'm grieving too. Like when she's talking to Ann Dowd and like, I don't know what Ann Dowd says to her, but like, it's the first time that I feel like Tony doesn't seem hopeful. Like she can't because her kid just died. But when like, she seems a little optimistic and she's like, right. really? Like it just, it yeah. seemed like such a like yeah. one moment of like, it was kind of like her arc as a whole took like a big deep breath in that moment, which I thought was like mm. beautiful and refreshing and vulnerable. And like, that was one of those moments where I was like, Tony, I know what you're talking it. about. Cause I, it's just like, you kind of feel relieved with her cause she feels hopeful. Yeah. For the first time. yeah. When it's like the most human reaction almost. And Dowd is like, I lost my son and my grandson. And Tony <laughs> Collette is like, Oh my God, other people lose kids. Like, my son and grandson drowned last month. <laughs> it was my fault because I put the devil in the. <laughs> <laughs> they drowned in Satan's tears. They drowned in Satan's bubble. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next award is a custom award, and it can be anything. So, Mallory, what was yours? Um, tiniest lamp is the little blue lamp in the miniatures. Nice. What about you, Tristan? Runner-up, least problematic Shapiro sibling is <laughs> Millie, but turns out she's actually not related to Ben Shapiro, so good for her. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. My award now? Yes. All right. I telegraphed this a little, but my, the award for uh, best multi-level marketing scheme parading <laughs> as a horror movie goes to Seance Worldwide, or whatever the hell that company's called. <laughs> Amazing. What about you, Jake? Um, I'm stealing the award is a stolen Academy Award from Olivia Coleman, and I'm giving it to Tony Collette mm. uh, because she should have been nominated for this, but there's genre Absolutely. bias in the Academy and she wasn't nominated, but I'm stealing her, not giving it to Glenn Close. Sorry, Glenn. Uh, and I'm giving it to Tony. I've already put my plans in motion. <laughs> Uh, my custom award was best failed abortion, and it goes to oh, Alex no. Wolf because Tony has that moment where she's like, "I tried, I, I tried to have to a miscarriage." You. That's in the dream, though. Luckily, she doesn't actually. It is say in it the now. dream, but it reminded me of this. I never wanted to be your mother. <gasps> <laughs> that was the best. You just keep. I did everything they told me not to. It didn't work. Because that's a hundred percent how nightmares work. Is you're just like, I don't know. I just said things, and I couldn't stop saying things, and then they kept being. Like, I feel like that's a nightmare that I've had countless times. Is that I, I just like that two days ago where initiated in dream, a confrontation? Like, don't you have a job? And I was like, I think so. And she was like, Aren't you supposed to be at your job right now? And I was like, I think so. And she was like, You might get fired. And I was like, That's fine. And then my boss was behind me and was like, That's fine. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, Fuck. Yeah, my... I said that. I always have nightmares that um, I confront people about things that have happened in real life. And then in the dream, and it's like, oh, no, I wasn't prepared to have that conversation yet. I didn't do the emotional work. And then they're all like, oh, well, let's talk about it in the dream. And I'm like, no, I actually said that by accident, even though it was true. Um, but the the 
failed miscarriage thing reminded me of this post that used to go viral online that was like about a boy that gets born and he has like a, a knife in his hands or something and they're like and he's like I'm a baby that the mother tried to abort no weapon forged can stop me and then it's like share this if you think that abortion is murder <laughs> that baby was Alex Wolf. <laughs> Little baby Paymon coming out with the little knife. The uh, eighth so king of hell. <laughs> uh, so do either of you guys have anything to plug? <laughs> no. Uh, um, the coronavirus vaccine is something I really like to plug. I think everyone should get it um, at their earliest convenience. That's my plug. Nice. Uh, my plug is, is maybe more of a reveal where I would like <laughs> to show you that I've been wearing this shirt the whole time. <gasps> Oh my god. Is that Oh payment? my god. Hail payment. Is it actually? Yes, hail payment. I, didn't think oh! I, I don't know when I bought this online. My friends and I all have them. <laughs> That's so hail scary. Payment. I can't I'm wear this in public. Right I feel now. bad about wearing this outside. <laughs> Wait, is it actually a hereditary shirt? Yeah, yeah look, it's Alex Wolf. Yeah. It's Alex Wolf oh. and the Pigeons. There's oh, shit. two headless pigeons above them. Isn't this terrible? Oh, oh that my was another God. note I wrote was, people need to be nice to pigeons. And then I underlined yeah. it. Oh my God, do. now I'm going to be sucked into an internet K-hole of hereditary merch. Wow. Can you imagine like cottagecore hereditary things on Etsy? Like they must exist. Mm -hmm. I want to get an Ann Dowd shirt. Yes. <laughs> A Joan shirt that's just like her, one of her photos in the album. And then we all got that. matching doormats that say Joni and have yeah. the symbols on them. And then we're together forever. God, I oh, I will plug Promising Young Woman, which I was not a part yes. of, but I just really liked it. I saw it recently and I thought it was a five-star movie. It's so good. Um, all right. That's the end of our podcast. Bye. Hail Payman. Hail Payman. Hail Payman. Hail Payman.